Well, good evening, everyone. It is good to see you on this rainy Sunday evening. A lot of places, I guess, are experiencing it as snow. So um, this morning I turned on the news, and the only channel I could get was the Cleveland News, and it's not looking as pretty there. I'll take the rain. I don't have to shovel that. So I'll, I'll take the rain compared to what they were looking for. But I do appreciate Pastor allowing me um, to speak this evening. And um, I appreciate the, the students with the special this evening um, with the band. And it's always exciting to, to hear the, the um, changes and the improvements in that. So um, take your Bibles, if you would, turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. This evening we'll be looking at verse 9. And very simply, the message is entitled, Change My Heart, O God. Change My Heart, Oh God, taken from Romans chapter 10 and verse 9. Once you find it, if you'd stand, and we'll read it in unison together. Romans chapter 10, verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for this time, and Father, for the opportunity, Lord, to be in the house of God this evening. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the opportunity to be behind the sacred desk. Father, I, it's something I don't take lightly, and Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would be honored and glorified in all that is said and all that is done. I ask now, Lord, that you would honor your word, that, Father, you would speak through me, and it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you. May be seated. A changed heart. <clears throat> Many seek it, but I think the best way to express it is as the songwriter penned, <clears throat> excuse me, there's only one that can change the heart. The, the songwriter said, change my heart, O God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O God, may I be like you. You are the potter, I am the clay, mold me and make me, this is what? I pray. Man has tried to change his own heart in every way we can think of. But the word of God says in Jeremiah chapter 17 verse 9 that the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Psychologists tried to explain the way the doctors have tried to prescribe the fix for the heart. But none of these have proven effective. Only by the grace, the love, and the forgiveness found in Christ can one's heart be truly, completely, and forever changed. Amen. Tonight, as we talk about a change of heart, the spiritual heart, that is, designed to work in areas of our life that not only affect oneself, but the lives of others, and bears witness to, one, to the one who lives within us. So tonight we want to look at some areas of love that can be brought out from a changed heart. And our first one is our love for God. Turn with me, if you would, to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. And we're going to be looking at verses 30 and 31. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. 
As we look at our love for God tonight, and as I was preparing this and putting this together, it was really a time of self-reflection, a time of self-examination for me. Just how deep is my love for God? Yeah, it's easy to say I'm thankful for my salvation, and I am thankful for my salvation tonight. I, it's easy to say, especially this season, that I'm thankful for the abundant blessings that God has given, and indeed, I am thankful for those blessings. But how deep is that love? When was the last time that you were overwhelmed with him, with God, and really counted the cost, the price that he paid, the ultimate price. When was the last time that my heart hurt for lack of time that I've spent with him? You think about it. When was the last time? Because we can get so busy in our day. And we are busy people. Now, I've heard people that say when they retire, they don't know how they ever had time to work. Is that true? I'm, you know, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you think about it. When was the last time that you really took that time or because you didn't have that time that it really hurt you? You think of when you don't have time with your spouse or with your children and you just yearn for that time. But you know what? all the more our hearts should desire and yearn for that time with God. Amen. When was the last time that I thought of him as truly the master, the one who the winds and the waves obeyed? Because many times we can get in our rote prayer, if you will. We pray in the morning. We maybe pray. We should pray at lunch. We should pray at dinner. We might think of things that come to our heart. But when we realize that we are speaking to the master of the wind, when was the last time that you thought about we're speaking to the one who put the stars in space? And I think about that. And you think about creation. And you think that he just did it. He just did it. When was the last time? The one who separated the darkness from the light. When was the last time that I was so deep in prayer that the only thing I could rely on was the intercession of the Spirit on my behalf with groanings which could not be uttered according to Romans chapter 8. When was the last time that we were that deep in prayer? When was the last time you spent moments just reflecting on him and thought about, as the songwriter said, and I always have songs in my messages because I love music. And you know what? There's some rich heritage when you open up that hymnal, there's some rich heritage there, my friends. And why reinvent the wheel, right? Because one of the songwriters says, face to face, oh blissful moment. Face to face to see and know. Face to face with my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who loves me so. Amen. When was the last time your heart hurt? to commune with God. We need to decide to be set apart 
for him and for his glory. Not only do we need to seek him in prayer, not only do we need to spend time with him, but we need to be committed to him. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 17 and 18 says, Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. So my friends tonight, I would challenge you that as you ask God to change your heart, that you find ways and reasons to commune with him in a very special way. And secondly, tonight, I'd like to look at our love for our family, our love for our family. God desired for families. He really, truly did. And you know, the greatest way that the devil can ruin is by getting into the home. Because by getting into the home, then he gets into the church, then he gets into society, and we see the breakdown. And I think more than ever, we can honestly say that we have seen that. At one time, Barna did a poll, and these, these um, statistics are a little outdated, and I dare to say it's probably to the sadder point that they're outdated. But uh, the variation in divorce rates among Christian faith groups, non-denominational, whoever they fall into, 34% have been divorced. Baptist, 29%. Mainline Protestants, 25%. Mormons, 24%. Catholics, 21%. And Lutherans, 21%. Those were just some statistics that I found. Did you know that approximately 50% of first marriages end in divorce? And the rate is even higher for subsequent marriages. So we see tonight that, that the devil's desire is to get into the family, but God has a remedy for this situation. Husbands and wives, is our home established the way God designed them to be? Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verses 22 through 33, a very uh, familiar passage of Scripture. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse, and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. <clears throat> for, this man shall, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. You know, and as I read over that passage, and like I said, we've, we've heard it many, many times. But, you know, sometimes I think we as men, 
You want to get that puffed chest and, you know, I'm the man of the house. But did you notice the responsibilities that the men carry in the marriage relationship? It's amazing what the man carries in the responsibility. Verse 33 says, Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife as even himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. We each have a role, and we see that in the husband and wife relationship. But what about the, 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 the family relationship? Dad, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Provoke is to incite to anger, to incite to anger. So he says, don't incite them to anger. Let's take the translation there. But it says to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Admonition is gentle, friendly reproof, counsel or warning against fault or oversight. As we take on this responsibility as fathers, we need to make sure that we love and discipline for their good to see them do what is right before the Lord, that they in turn will allow God to shape and change their heart. You know, I read a, I read a little post the other day, and I, and I could not find it. Don't you hate that? And I'll guarantee you, because I have an iPhone in my pocket right now, it'll pop up as soon as church is over tonight. Have you ever found that to be true? But it says something to the fact of that we need to take the time to lead our children to the Lord or else the world is going to take the time to lead them away from the Lord. That is our responsibility as parents. My friends, the world wants them. The world, through the devil and his schemes, desires our children. And that's why we need to make sure that our hearts are right before God, that our desire as husbands is to love our wives and to see our children grow up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Moms, Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. It says, The aged women likewise, that they be in behaviors becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. But I want to draw your attention to verse 4, to love your children. Love them enough to train them. Love and encourage them. Love with example, love with shaping and molding, all for God's glory. So we see as parents, as we have God to um, shape our hearts, to change our hearts, that we see as we raise our families, that we raise them right and we raise them for the Lord. Now, is it going to be perfect? No. And we were just talking about this the other day. I was with um, a group of co coworkers, and there's always been that saying, practice makes perfect. But you know what? It doesn't. It doesn't. As much as I try playing basketball, it has never brought me to perfection. <laughs> never. But you know what? It says practice makes permanent. 
So if we practice and if we do right by our children, it's going to make it permanent. Not perfect. Not perfect. Because if any of you will say, I did it. I have the perfect children. I think there's a lot of us parents, and I'll tell you what, we'll meet you in the first classroom on the left-hand side. Pastor, you want to learn? Okay, are you doing it? <laughs> but we need to make sure that we are practicing what we want our children to practice. Then children, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Oh, you've heard this over and over. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. And I've heard this, this scripture lots of times in my life, and I've heard people use it. But you know what? I want to make sure that I never use that scripture as a fear tactic. And I think sometimes that's what we've done, is we've taken it as a fear tactic, but as a teaching tool of the need for a changed heart. They should obey us as we obey God. Are we doing what we want them to do? You think about it. Why? Because so their life may be long. A life that has been directed from the ways of the world. A life that is long because they love the word. A life that is long because they love church. A life that is long because they love fellowship. A life that is long because they have avoided the ways of the world. You know, it's getting to know our children as well. And I remember years ago, Pastor, you did a family series. And I'll never forget it. And you used the scripture, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. I'll never forget this. But you brought a point up, and it's not plagiarizing because I'm talking right in front of him. The way they should go, you need to find out how God has designed your child to be. And I'll never forget, you said in the day, it was thought that the sign of a good independent fundamental Baptist preacher was his boys became independent fundamental Baptist preachers. But it's not always so, is it, preacher? It's not. It's finding out who God has created your child to be. He's created them each uniquely. It says he knew them before he formed them in the mother's womb. It talks about us predestined, not in a Calvinistic way, but predestined. He has a plan for each and every child. Now, Drew is going to be 10 going on 17. <laughs> and sometimes finding out who God has desired for him to be, it's not for the faint of heart to find that out. I don't know if I'm better off being older, having him, or if I would have been better off younger, having him. <coughs> I don't know. But you know what? Truly, when it comes down to it, it's fun. It's enjoyable watching, watching him develop. And I hope you're finding the same thing with your children, just watching them develop. And even as they're grown, seeing who God has molded and shaped them to be.
But then as we had the dad, as we have the mom, as we have the children, we need to make family decisions. We need to make family decisions. Joshua chapter 24, verses 14 and 15 says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As I said earlier, Satan's war has always been and will always be on the home. Because that is the foundation of everything. If he can break down the family and the home, he has a foothold on breaking down society and in the church. So, friends, tonight we have seen, as we have a changed heart, we want to see it change and for our love for God. We want to see it changed so that we shape and we mold our family. And in all of this, then, we're going to find our love for the church. <coughs> Thought about this today, again, as I was putting all this together. And the reason I hold the paper so close, I thought I'm going to be really smart and highlight where I put the scriptures. But I did it in green, and I thought it was highlighted. But it's actually really, really dark. And so if I look like, yes, I wear glasses, and I really can read a little further away, but man, is that dark. So note to self, never use the green highlight again because it's not really highlighted. It's like taking a magic marker and marking out every single word I've read. So, but, so have you ever looked around and thought of someone who used to sit close to you, near you, or maybe right beside you, and they're no longer there? You know, I thought of over some names today, and of course I won't name them out loud, but people are missed. They're missed when they're not in church because we're a family. We're a family. You know, this whole year, the theme has been church matters. And it should matter. It needs to matter. You know, Pastor talked this morning, and it's funny, as I was putting this together, a lot of what he said came to light that we need to be in church. Now, I'm going to be the first to admit, you can all look at me like I am the worst person on the face of the earth, but there's some nights I don't want to come to church. I'll be honest. There's times where I think, you know what? I just don't want to do it. But you know what? God's never failed me when I've come. He never fails us. We do grow tired. We do get busy, but God will always bless through our perseverance. Coming to church, one study shows that it takes 66 days. 66 days, they said, to be exact. I don't know how they've studied that, but to make a new behavior automatic. So to make a, to make a habit, it takes 66 continuous days of doing it. Hence why I don't exercise, because I don't get beyond the first half hour. So I've never made that 
a habit. But if we come, and the great thing about being Baptist, then that only takes 22 weeks. You think about it. It would take you over a year if you went somewhere else that only had one service a week. But being Baptist, throwing a revival there, you've got it made in two weeks. But, and there's only 14 days, but you can be here 66 times. But it takes 66 days to make a new behavior. But you know what? It only takes 30 to 60 days to break that habit. Amazing, isn't it? Well, I'm just going to be gone for a week or two, or three. We need to make church a habit. Just not out of obligation, though. That's the key. That is the key. Some, you know, well, I, I have to be in church. No, we get to be in church. And what a blessing it is. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and I think every message I've ever preached, I bring this scripture up because it's so important to me. It means that much to me. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Of course, people have been looking for that day for years. And I think over the near 40 years that I've been a Christian, how much more? You know, and I, I can remember hearing the older people saying that. Oh, it must be soon. I thought, ah, oh, we've got plenty of time. You know, my friends, you've got to wonder. You've got to wonder. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Years ago, and this goes back a long time, I went into a, to a shop. I think it was a coffee shop. I don't even remember and the church I was attending at the time, there was a young lady that worked there. And her and her husband, and I'm not there to dwell, but they just were not real faithful to church. And she looked at me and she, I don't know why she apologized to me. She said, Frank, I, I just want to tell you I'm sorry that we're, we're not in church a lot. You know, with our work schedules. And, and, you know, Sundays is the day we go and visit our family. And, you know, she went on and on and on. And I looked at her, and I very simply said, and I meant it in, in love, I said, do you fit church into your schedule, or do you build your schedule around church? That's what it boils down to. We all have a calendar, and we can all be quick depending on what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. So we write down our doctor's appointments. You write down horn lessons or you know, piano lessons and all that. But have you ever taken your calendar at the beginning of the year and every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night, wrote down church, 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 and then fit everything around it? Just the thought. Now, we realize that there's times with jobs and situations that, that people sometimes can't be in church, and we, it's totally understood. We can't avoid those things. We need to provide homes. We need to provide livings. And, and our world is not built around a church calendar. It's just not. But to the best of our ability, I think we should be here. And as we realize our love for God that reaches our family, which brings us to church, finally tonight we'll see how it expands our love for others. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. 
You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. We're being watched by others. We are being watched by others. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. There was a time in my life, a little over 20 years ago, there were some situations going on in my life, and um, just life was happening. And it was making a change in, um, to be honest, where I was going to church. It was the, must have been about the summer of 2003. And um, there were three people that came into my life that made a difference, that honestly are the reason I'm here today. First of all, now this is truly a blessing, but I met Gino Sharp. And thankfully, with that, his sweet wife, Bonita, was there as well. So, Gino, if you happen to be listening, yes, brother, you, you were a part. But you know what? I saw the love that they had for each other, the love that they had for the Lord, and I knew of their service in church. I really didn't know them that personally. And the other one was Bonnie Boyer. I'll never forget getting to know Bonnie Boyer. And if you didn't have that privilege... It's a privilege you lost because she was a wonderful lady. She didn't say a whole lot, but it was just who she was. That's all Bonnie had to do was to be who she was. And it made a difference. And in finding out they, all three of them, um, obviously Gino and Benita, that they came here it made me want what they had to put that peace in their life. So 20 years ago, I started coming here on a regular basis. And I thank God for that. You know, friends, tonight we like to think that the best days of our lives are what people see and judge us by. But the fact is, very often, it's our response to the worst days that truly witness to others, though. Yeah. You think about it. They watch for our response and our testimony. These are the times that show our true level of trust in whom we call Savior. It shows our obedience. And it shows them that we have that assurance to believe what we say. We believe. Now, Pastor brought it up this morning, and it all fit in. It's not to say that we're not to be real in front of others. 
You know, he used the analogy of, you know, blessed and highly favored. And I'll be honest, some of my early days, that was the movement I was in. And that's what you said, because if you confessed it, it became. That's what they believed. But you know what? The truth is, we do need to find the goodness of God. But we also have to be real, because that is the testimony that we can give to others. That there's times, you know what, we're broken. There's times we're lost. There's times we're, we're sick. We have loved ones that are sick. We've lost loved ones. And you know what? Those are the times that really minister to other people. Grief share, that the berries have been so faithful in doing it. Why does it minister to people? Because you let them know I've been there. You let them know that grief is real. You let them know that heartaches happen in life. We have our you that shows the same thing, that everybody faces something that has a stronghold in their life. Where if we just walk around acting like, well, everything's great, everything's perfect, I'm so happy, I have never seen a dead flower because they're always alive, they're always this, they're always that, that happy, 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 Good for you. But you know what? Sometimes, I'm going to say this, life stinks. The situations of life hurt. It's the reality of it all. But God gives us the power to show our faithfulness to the world in this. Tonight, I want you to turn in your Bible, and I literally want you to turn in your Bible. I did not give this to Don for a specific purpose, because I want you to turn with me to Psalm 121. Psalm 121, it's my favorite psalm. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills, from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper, the Lord is thy shade upon my right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil, and shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, and even forevermore. Amen. Life's going to happen, but we can look to the hills from whence cometh our help. Who are these other people? We talk about others, loving others, loving others, loving others. We don't know. We truly don't always know who those other people are going to be. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus talks, going down to verse 30, says, a certain man went down to Jerusalem, from Jerusalem to Jericho, and followed among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance, there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. 
And when he saw him, he had compassion on him and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. We used to sing a chorus a long time ago. He poured in the oil and the wine, the kind that restoreth my soul. He found me bleeding and dying on the Jericho road, and he poured in the oil and the wine. Is there someone that God has brought in your path, or maybe he will bring in your path that needs the oil and the wine, that just needs you not to pass on the other side of the road? Now, I'm going to tell you, chances are they're not going to look like you. They're not going to act like you. They might not have the same values and morals that you do. They won't smell like you or even dress like you. Their language may be colorful. Their actions may be appalling. What they watch or listen to could honestly have words that could curdle milk. But their condition is set for the command of Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. We don't know who God's going to bring in our path. Most of us... We love the Lord. I would trust that everybody here tonight, I don't know your spiritual condition, but I would trust that you love the Lord, that you've accepted him as personal Lord and Savior. And if tonight, if not, tonight could be the night of your salvation. I trust that you love your families, husbands, wives, that you love each other, that you love your children, your children love you. You're here, Sunday night crowd, you're here, and I trust you're here not out of obligation, but out of opportunity. And I trust that you will look for the others that God may bring in your life, that you can introduce them to him. Tonight, I would challenge you, is there a heart change needed in you in one or more of these areas? Maybe you need to come back to the love that burned in your heart at one time. You remember that burning in your heart? that desire, that first love of when you met the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe your family does need healing. Maybe you need to connect with the family of God in a different way, a deeper way. Or maybe there's someone in your life. No, not maybe. There is someone in your life or will be in your life who needs you. Today, my friends, I would challenge you If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts.